Welcome to Torah Timacha Nach Yomi with OU Women's Initiative. My name is Adina Blaustein, and today we're going to be studying Nehemiah chapter 11. Chapter 10 was all about the people signing their names to an oath, an amana, to provide financial support for the Beit HaMikdash, swearing not to intermarry, and to stop doing commerce on Shabbat, to uphold the Torah. Each of these oaths supported a key pillar of Shivat Zion, the rededication of the Beit HaMikdash, a rededication of the people to the Torah, and a rebuilding of the city walls of Yerushalayim. But there's one element of the Shivat Zion that is not complete, and that is taking the final steps to ensure that there is a population restored to the city. A city that has a small population cannot support itself from attack, as Rashi notes in his commentary to this chapter. Furthermore, Nehemiah's goal wasn't just that Jerusalem would be a religious center, but it would be a pulsing hub of the province, economically and politically. And if Yerushalayim could be those things as well, then the religious focal point that it was meant to be would also be achieved. We read in chapter 11, verse 1, the officers of the people settled in Yerushalayim. The rest of the people cast lots for one out of ten to come and settle in the holy city of Yerushalayim and the other nine-tenths to stay in the towns. This verse is describing a redistribution of the population from the surrounding towns within the Judean province to within the city of Yerushalayim. And that included leaders, artisans, and common people. The need for goralot, or lots, indicates that relying on volunteers alone would not have yielded an adequate number of people to fill Yerushalayim. There is also perhaps some religious significance in this. The lottery was that, the lottery was that one in ten would resettle in Yerushalayim. And that's a symbolic number. It's a ma'aser, a tithe. In chapter 10, the people swore an oath and signed their names to it, that they would bring a ma'aser of their money and their produce. And now, they take it one step further. They're not just bringing their money and their produce to Yerushalayim. They're bringing a ma'aser of themselves to ensure that Yerushalayim can really function as a city. And just like giving a tithe from money or produce was somewhat difficult, it was really difficult for these people to leave the Judean cities surrounding Yerushalayim and to move to within the walls of the city. In his commentary to verse 2, Malbam even notes, Verse 2 says, The people gave their blessing to all the men who willingly settled in Yerushalayim. Malbim notes, Anybody who volunteered to move to Yerushalayim got a special blessing because everybody realized just how difficult that endeavor really was. The next 33 verses in chapter 11, until the conclusion of the chapter, list the people who settle in Yerushalayim. It starts with the tribe of Yehudah, then Benjamin, and the genealogies of the people of these tribes go back either six or seven generations. Then... Different families of priests are listed, and then different families of Levites are listed. Again, people who then resettled in Yerushalayim. The temple gatekeepers are listed next, and more Levites. At this point, it's worth pausing to reflect 
that in the 13 chapters that comprise the book of Nehemiah and in the 10 chapters that comprise the book of Ezra, quite a few of these chapters pause the narrative and are devoted instead of to a story but to seemingly mundane lists of people. And we've noted that Ezra and Nehemiah are really one book. So this one book is really dominated by lists of people. Why? What's so special about lists of people that we need to interrupt the story? To answer this, we really need to shift our perspective. The lists don't interrupt the story. The lists are the story. And this list in chapter 11 of Nehemiah makes this point so clearly. It was so difficult for the Judeans to reconstruct their identities after they lived through the destruction of the temple and the exile to Babel. Their entire community was destroyed. The focus of their religious observance was destroyed when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. And yet somehow they managed to maintain loyalty to be a part of the Jewish people, avoid intermarriage in Babel, maintain a Jewish identity, and return to Jerusalem. These lists, listing the lineage of the Judeans as part of the Jewish community, represents their desire to see themselves as part of a people with an unbroken bond to the land. The key question, the pain point of the book of Nehemiah that was voiced earlier by Sambalat, the enemies of Nehemiah and his people was, Can they revive these stones out of the dust heap, burned as they are? Yet these lists, representing the thousands of Judeans who did just that, who chose to proudly make Jerusalem their home, are answering that sarcastic, stinging rhetorical question with a loud and ringing Yes. What follows then in verses 20 through 24 is a list of the Judeans who settled outside of the city of Jerusalem, yet inside the province of Judah. As verse 20 says, Ushar Yisrael bechol ish The rest of the Israelites, the priests, and the Levites in all the towns of Judah lived each in his estate. The word nachala, though, means so much more than estate. The words ish benachalato emphasize the same key theme again so powerfully. Even for those who do not make Jerusalem itself their home, they are living within their nachala, their inherited portion. We've noted before how Ezra seems to be a Moshe figure. Ezra HaSofer, the scribe, he focuses on teaching Torah to the people and rededicating the people to Torah. Nehemiah, is a Yehoshua-type figure, focused as he is on resettling the land. And amazingly enough, the towns in this list describing the various different Judean cities that the returnees from Bavel settle in follow the same order of the conquests from the book of Yehoshua. The first Judean city is assigned to Kalev, and that is Hebron. And Kiryat Arba, the old name for Hebron, is the first city listed in chapter 13 of Nehemiah. Then, in the book of Yehoshua, the boundaries of the tribe of Yehuda are noted, including the cities in the Negev. And Nehemiah chapter 13 follows suit. The cities in the Negev are listed in the same order as they are when they originally conquered them in the book of Yehoshua chapter 15. And so, 
much like the Sukkot they celebrated in chapter 8 of the book of Nehemiah, when the Sukkot that Nehemiah and Ezra celebrate with the people is described as, They had not had a Sukkot like this from the days of Yehoshua ben Nun, and there was very great rejoicing. This list here in Nehemiah chapter 11 emphasizes that Nehemiah's generation inspired themselves by trying to have the same perspective as Yehoshua's generation had, embarking on the same journey that they had, settling the land, but not just a land, their beloved Nachala, their beloved inheritance. So what we've seen in Nehemiah chapter 11 is that Nehemiah portions out the land much like Yehoshua did. The list of all of the people who settled in Jerusalem and in the surrounding Judean province might at first glance seem boring, like an interruption. But upon a closer look, it's emphasizing the continuity of the connection of the people to the land of Israel from the times of Yehoshua, hundreds of years later, to Nehemiah's generation. Thank you for studying together. Le'ilo Nishmat Rose Foreman, Rachel Rachel Bat Arye Lieb, and Rachel Zeitlin. Rachel Bat Shlomo.